0: Welcome to the Bridgetown Church Podcast. For the month of May, we are honoring Asian American Pacific Islander Month. Each week, members of our church family will be sharing stories that acknowledge and celebrate AAPI history from their lived experiences and the world at large.
1: Hi, Bridgetown family. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Today, we continue our celebration of Asian American Pacific Islander or AAPI month. Throughout the month of May, we're sharing stories from people within Bridgetown who are part of the AAPI community. You might be asking, why are we doing this? For many reasons, but one we'll name is we want to celebrate the diversity of the family of Christ. If scripture and God himself hold up the multi-ethnic expression of the church as something to be celebrated, we wanna do the same. One way to do that is to hear and honor the experiences of our brothers and sisters here at Bridgetown. So that's what we're doing today. Uh, My name is Casey McDonald. I work in operations here at Bridgetown, and I'm also helping launch our new Justice, Reconciliation, and Mercy Department alongside J.T. Thomas, and honestly do whatever else is needed at Bridgetown. And I'm here today with my friend Chelsea. Hey. Um,
0: I guess, right in name and hello to all the folks out there. My name is Chelsea Sound. I've been coming to Bridgetown maybe for about eight years now, I want to say. Eight years. Eight years. And I've been born and raised in Portland my whole life. So all
1: 26 years of them. (laughs) That's awesome. What part of Portland did you grow up in?
0: Uh, So growing up, our family was in the Montevilla area, if anybody's familiar. Uh, We grew up off of like Halsey and 71st. And that's when the big migration of folks started coming Started coming into Portland. Coming you mean? into Portland, yeah. Uh, and then eventually we moved out to the burbs
1: of Oregon. So Gladstone, Oregon is where I grew up majority of my life. Nice. Yeah. Um, so we know that you're part of the AAPI community. Specifically, how do you identify within that?
0: So I identify as Chuki's uh, Micronesian, which is a very, very small <laughs> island within. The North Pacific, I would say, of the ocean, of the Pacific Ocean, to be exact. <laughs> um, yeah, if anybody's familiar where Guam and the Philippines is, and I guess Japan, yeah, I think Japan's a good reference as well.
1: That's kind of where we are generally. In that general area. Thank you for breaking it down yeah. for us. I'm sure I'm not the first person to ask you, please tell me where Micronesia like, is. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so you mentioned you were born and raised here in Portland and surrounding area, Um, at what stage in your family, like generational line, did the first person come from Micronesia here to the West Coast? Mm,
0: uh, I would say probably 1980s. My dad came up for, uh, I guess, yeah, education. Yeah, he came up and went to PCC, the Sylvania campus, I want to say, if we were getting specific. (laughs) Um, He was the first one to come up. And then my mom actually uh, went up, to, I think uh, I think it was Hawaii first. And then she stayed there for a couple of years and then she eventually made her way over. And then that love story began
1: <laughs> where, wow. they, where they met here at some random party. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Wow, okay, so your parents met at a party here in the Portland area um, and they are both native Micronesian. Does that make you first generation because you were born here? I would say yes. I would say first generation since... I was born
0: here, and yeah, they made the big move here. Mm -hmm.
1: They made the leap. Yeah. (laughs) I'm curious about, um, you know, both of them living so far from home. Did they talk much about, like, what the culture of Micronesia is like, the way it differs from um, what your life is like here?
0: Oh, yeah. Um, It wouldn't be something that they would bring up all the time. I think it's just them, I don't know, they were just so busy, like, working all the time. But when there was time to talk about these stories, it was always so hard for them to bring it up because of how hard it was. Uh, but, yeah, definitely once they did have a chance to share the culture and how they grew up, everything always got pushed into perspective for us. We're like, mm-hmm. dang, okay.
1: <laughs> you mean pushed into perspective in terms of, like, difficulties? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You mentioned, like, how hard it was. Do you mean, like, to be away from home, the journey itself, and just being in a new cultural context?
0: Mm, yeah, man, all of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, I don't even know how how they, uh, I don't know, I think assimilate is a good word mm-hmm. to use. Uh, just all those years here, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially in Portland. Like, <laughs> if everybody knows the rough history of Portland <laughs> in itself, but... Uh... Yeah. Portland historically is not a wildly diverse yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was hard for them, but at the same time, like, they pushed through it. <laughs>
1: is there much of a Micronesian community here in the Portland area?
0: Um, yeah,
1: we're kind of, I
0: don't know. I want to say, like, once there's a church planted somewhere, <laughs> there's, like, a big community that tends to, like, gravitate towards that area. So Portland definitely has a pretty big Micronesian community. Um, but— the closest church I remember going uh, growing up was uh, was out in the Aurora area. If anybody knows where that is, I do actually okay. south of
1: Portland, yes, like yes, thirty yes. miles. maybe. Yes.
0: So, like every Sunday, that's when we like go and meet a lot of our, <laughs> I guess, relatives because like we're everybody's basically
1: related really? on the island, kind of. Um. But yeah, what was that experience like for you? Um, you know, growing up in one context, like here in Portland, and then traveling so far out of town once a week to feel perhaps more immersed in shared culture. What was that like? It was fun. It felt like a
0: felt like a family reunion every week. <laughs> it was a little chaotic too because, like, it was an all day event. It was a it was like a Protestant, I want to say, church that was out there, and it would start from like. 10 a.m., and then we everybody would leave at around like 6. 6 at, in the evening. 6 in the evening. Um, just because like the sermon was like maybe four hours, four to six hours long. There was always somebody that had to talk really long.
1: Um, Chelsea, <laughs> let me pause you for a second. Are you telling me one person would speak for three no, or no, four no, no, hours? No, I no, no, no. <laughs> okay.
0: Maybe like an hour each person.
1: Wow. <laughs> yeah. So would different people get up and like share testimonies. What did that look like?
0: Oh man. I it was hard for me to understand because there were so many different dialects as well. So if somebody had a thicker dialect, it was <laughs> I would probably zone out, but I just remember just sitting sitting in there for hours and like praying that the food like lunch would happen soon. <laughs> I'm like, come on, I made it all the way here. Can we at least eat something?
1: <laughs> yes. And that's I feel like I remember things like that just from an average like ninety minute church yeah. service in, like, southwest Portland, it's hard to imagine being, like, a little kid far from home, (laughs) like, we are on hour four, and if lunch doesn't get here soon, I'm going to lose it. Yeah, or I'm just going to take a nap in my mom's lap right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. I'm curious about, um, you mentioned, like, different dialects and some were thicker and some less so. Um, What is the language in Micronesia, and is that something y'all spoke at home, or was it pretty much... um, you know, English at home and then at church, it was a different experience.
0: Yeah. Uh, so there's one of four main languages in Micronesia, since there are four, four states. Um, but the language that we speak at home or, or yeah, uh, is called Chukis, which is very, <laughs> it's very difficult. I, I grew up just like hearing and receiving it a lot, and I always responded back in English. Mm-hmm. Just because like, I i don't know, I think I just felt uncomfortable trying to speak it back. Mm-hmm. And whenever we did, our our family would always be like, oh my gosh, look at her trying to speak the language. <laughs> so that kind of shied me away from like responding back in our language. But I can definitely understand our language more than I can speak it on the
1: spot. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So at home, did your parents primarily speak it to you?
0: Yeah, Uh they would go, they would bounce around from Chukis to English, but it would be mainly Chukis. I think my mom would speak it to us mainly just because I think my dad, he also speaks a different dialect of Chukis. And there are some words that I could not <laughs> translate over. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> from one dialect to the other or into English or? Into kind of English both. and both. Wow. So I think it would go from like his dialect to my mom's dialect. And then it would transfer over to English in my head, so I, was, I just like exhausted every day. <laughs> I'm like, sure uh,
1: filtering through all these different lenses, I guess. Yeah, that right. sounds kind of overwhelming. A little bit. <laughs> so, back to your church experience. You're on, let's say, we're on speaker four, yeah. And you say you go to like six sometimes. Does it sound like there's some kind of shared meal all together towards the end?
0: Yeah. So there's always the cute little lunch ladies or the elders in the in the kitchen, like I preparing. Love that. Um, for like the big crowd that would just like come in and get their plate lunches and then go and sit down some people usually would just come in and then just leave but I think my family at least my grandma would make a point to like stick around and like check in on everybody that was there and like introduce us to other families around the
1: area wow so you did your grandmother live with you
0: Yeah, so growing up, it was very normal to have our grandma around. Mm -hmm. I grew up, um, I think she would probably live with us for a couple of years. She would be here sometimes, and then she would go back home.
1: Mm. Um, But, yeah. Mm. Chelsea, you mentioned your grandmother living with you and that it would be for extended periods. I'm curious about, you know, she's back home in Micronesia. What prompted a visit, and what would turn it from, like, I'm here for a few weeks into maybe I'm here for a really long time. Like what prompted a visit and then what happened after that?
0: Mm, I think one of the main reasons she would come up is when her grandchildren would be born. So say I was born in 1995. Let's just say that <laughs> happened. Let's just say that happened. Um, she, would, she would definitely like call up or I guess write letters to my parents and be like, oh, I want to come and visit slash stay. Um, and then she would also do, like, a lot of her routine, like, doctor checkups and visits here while she was in town because, like, the infrastructure back home was not <laughs> not the best.
1: <laughs> yeah. So she'd come and she'd stay for, would you say, like, months, years? She would stay, I would say, f- probably for, like, a couple
0: years at a time. I think the longest she ever stayed with us was maybe over, over I would say over five years because I remember spending a lot of my time with her growing mm-hmm. up.
1: What was that like having your grandmother live with you? It was really nice. Uh, uh, she, was,
0: <laughs> she was so, like, quiet and gentle. Um, so I picked up a lot of characteristics from her. <laughs> so a lot of people always grew up uh, calling me grandma in our family, or they would call, a, call me by my middle name, which is Achon, which is her, gran- her mom's name. Oh, wow. So it was always a running joke, but they always meant it endearingly, I hope.
1: (laughs) I'm sure they did, but I am dying to know. So your other family members called you grandma. Yes. (laughs) Was there a particular, like, was it her mannerisms that you're picking up, or was there something grandmotherly that you were bringing to the table?
0: I think it was just her mannerisms that I picked up, because she was just very much, like, took it a day at a time, was very slow (laughs) um, in, like, how she spoke and Mm -hmm. stuff, and— they would be like, dang, like, you're literally a reflection of her. This is crazy.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're that's like, really don't cool. you want to go and hang out with your friends? I'm like, no, I'm good at home. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little bit of a homebody. Yeah, that's yeah. where it began. <laughs> I'm curious about, um, did having your grandmother there change anything about the way that your parents lived and operated? Like, did they have different traditions or different habits when she was there kind of representing home than when she was mm-hmm. absent? Um,
0: That's a good question. Um, I guess they just emphasized a lot of just respecting your elders, like that culture or practice a lot since she was around. Uh, And I guess they probably, I don't know, I think having grandma around, we got to get away with a lot of things as well. <laughs> just because that's how grandparents can be. <laughs> yes. Um, so say we were at the store and I like pick up a piece of candy and they're like, Mom, can I have this? She just says, No. But then I would I'd look to my grandmother and she'd be like, just put it on.
1: I'll get it, I'll get it. <laughs> I'm like, Oh my gosh. Okay, Your mom yay. loved that. She loved that. <laughs> Um, something you said earlier about your parents kind of drew up a couple questions in my mind. You mentioned, you know, over time, you know, one came followed by the other that then following getting married, there was this process of assimilation to the culture. Mm-hmm. I'm curious about what that looked like. Were there things from uh, Micronesian culture at home that they felt really strongly about or maybe didn't even know they felt strongly about that carried on? And then other things that dropped away. What did that look like from your perspective?
0: Mm, Oh man, I wish I was around during the time they came up (laughs) uh, just to witness. But I think mainly just the culture of like asserting yourself in Mm. America was like something they were learning because that was never, like we are very passive as I would say as a whole, (laughs) as a whole uh, Islander community or at least ours in general. So learning how to like speak up for like what you need. It was definitely something that they learned a lot throughout the throughout their time here. Mm-hmm. And they've like tried to pass that on to us as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Chelsea, I'm curious about, you know, you mentioned at home your you and your family are predominantly speaking one language, albeit perhaps like a mix of um, English and native language. I'm wondering about what your schooling experience was like, whether, you know, elementary or as you got older, being in first Northeast Portland and then Gladstone, these are predominantly white spaces. Mm-hmm. I'm curious about like what that transition was like for you and what your experience was.
0: Yeah. Um I guess growing up, I didn't really realize it until later that <laughs> going from like Northeast Portland, which like our neighborhood at the time was very much like pretty much diverse. Mm. Um, and then moving into Gladstone, Oregon, knew it was like <laughs> A culture shock, at least, really? from what I heard from my siblings. They were like, yeah, this was weird. <laughs> like, where's where's all the other people? <laughs> um, How old were you when you made that move? Man, I think I was only four. Oh, wow. Okay, so pretty young. Yeah, pretty young. I I was just going along with it.
1: I was like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, four, you kind of go where your family goes, and yeah. you go with the flow. Um,
0: but I guess just, like, growing up throughout school— I just specifically remember in elementary school, um, I think it was, maybe it was fourth or fifth grade, I eventually made over, made my way over to one school that was down the street from my house, mm-hmm. um, and it was like maybe the first month, uh, they were like, hey, uh, we're putting you in this one class, so I was like, what for? They're like, oh, we're putting you in like, I think they called it like title one or something, like, we just wanted to double check to make sure, like, everything was, like, up to, up to par. We're like, uh, okay. So, like, I went to this class, and it was basically a class for these, like, kids that might have English as their second language. And they wanted to check to see, like, okay, is her English okay? Is she struggling in certain subjects? And I just blew them all out of the water. <laughs> I was like, I, I'm like, I I'm up this. to, yeah, I was like, I don't need this. Like, I'm fine in math. I'm fine in English. It's like, if anything, I, I speak very fluent English right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they only had me in that class for like, a day or two, and then they are like, okay, you don't need this class anymore. I was like,
1: mm, okay, this is weird. <laughs> that is a little
0: weird. Did yeah. you get
1: the—what age was that at, did you say? I think I was like nine or ten. Oh, wow. So old enough to probably vividly remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm curious about, like, did you get the impression at that time that there was something that they'd seen on site and said, I wonder if this person speaks English as a second language? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah,
0: probably. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what triggered it. Maybe it was— I want to just say, like, the blatantly obvious, like, oh, she's a brown girl. So she probably needs
1: to check and see. But who knows? Maybe they were just trying to fit me in the right class. Chelsea, you mentioned you've been at Bridgetown about eight years. And knowing that you grew up in a primarily Chukis Church, I'm curious about when and why you made that transition.
0: Yeah. Uh, so growing up, I think we only—I feel like we only attended it for— sometime, I would say maybe around like 10 years time. <laughs> um, but there was a chunk, there was a period where we stopped going because I think my that was the time when my grandma <laughs> went back home. Mm. So my parents were like, well, we don't really have to go since she's not here. <laughs> <laughs> so we stopped going. Um, in between that time, actually, we were going to uh, a Catholic church out oh. uh, here in Portland off of Foster. I think it's still there. It's called St. Peter's. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. (laughs) We grew up going there for a while. Um, My siblings went to—had First Communion there. I attended their classes with them just because, like, I was young and I couldn't stay home by myself. (laughs) So (laughs) I also attended their classes with them. Um, And then, yeah, and then there was another period of time where we stopped going to the Catholic Church. Uh, And then eventually, I think it was my sister— My sister, Trina, shout out, Trina. She actually ended up coming here maybe when I was in high school at the time. And she was like, yo, you should come with me. (laughs) You should come with me to this church and check it out. I was like, oh, okay. So I went, I think my sophomore year back in like 2012. Dang, really dating it.
1: (laughs) Sophomore year of high school. (laughs) Sophomore year of
0: high school. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so different from (laughs) what we grew up around. Mm. It's very much not Like, uh, I don't know, reserved, if that's a good term. Um, But yeah, I was like, what? Everybody's singing?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's singing out loud like this? (laughs) (laughs) Like, this is so cool. That's why they turn the lights down so you really feel free. Yeah, I'm like, wow, so cool with the lights down. I feel like I'm at a concert. (laughs) (laughs) Except I'm the singer. It's amazing. Yes. Chelsea, I'm wondering about how or whether, I guess, there's anything that you or your family do to keep your cultural traditions alive?
0: Man, there's a lot. Um, I guess some of the few things, probably as sad as it sounds, is like attending funerals is probably a good example, really. Um, There's a lot of protocol that goes along funerals. Uh, We actually had one recently, so I got to see how people, like, went up and greeted family, the proper way of greeting family, um, and, like, how to wait for, like, your elder to introduce you to another person that's somewhat significant uh, to the family. Yeah, just attending any kind of event that has a, a lot of Chukis people, like, that's probably the best way to keep our traditions alive and... The easiest thing would probably be speaking the language, which we are definitely trying to um, continue. And for me, it's more of like a relearning of our language because I can only understand so
1: much and I can only speech, speak so much back. Do you feel like you understand less than you did when you were younger?
0: Mm, yeah, I feel like I'm starting to slowly forget some words but thankfully, since I'm around my family 24-7, <laughs> I, can, I can still, like, pick up all, the majority of what everybody's saying in my head. It just translates over to English still, which mm-hmm. is kind of annoying. <laughs> I'm, like, trying to get out of um, responding back in English and, like, trying my best to respond back in ch- Chukis as much as I can.
1: Is it important to you to retain that fluency as you get older? Oh, Yeah. I, I
0: really want to make sure like the next generation after me knows our language mm-hmm. because so much of our culture was like kind of forgotten or lost um, because our our island specifically was colonized three times. Really, so a lot of our uh, traditions and culture was, I guess, kind of erased. Mm-hmm. If that's a good word. Yeah.
1: Um. So yeah, and then uh, yeah, hmm. is that something that your parents carry as well? you know, that almost cultural memory of feeling erased and a desire to keep things um, passed on and moving forward?
0: Yeah, I, I would say, I would say so. They don't really say it
1: <laughs>
0: uh, like out loud, but I think it's just mainly in just like the actions and what they do is what. Is how they like uh, pass it down, I guess, in a way. I don't know. They're very they they're very reserved, so mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's hard to tell. But mainly, I would say actions is just the best way mm-hmm. you could you can see.
1: Chelsea, you mentioned that when you were young, your family moved to Gladstone, which is not a wildly diverse community. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I understand that you still live there. I'm curious about what your experience is like now and what your relationship to your ethnicity is in that community.
0: Mm. Uh, Well, growing up, we actually did have one neighbor that was not of the, um, I don't know, what you say? (laughs) European descent. Uh, (laughs) uh, The neighbor right next to us was actually this like super cute and friendly Vietnamese family. Mm. Um, And we got really close with them Mm, I remember specifically their grandma also lived with them, and our grandma lived with us. So there was so many similarities mm-hmm. that were, like, really funny to us. But, uh, yeah, it was just, like, such a— I want to say, like, it was a nice experience because our our family would have, like, parties sometimes, or, like, we'd be grilling back y- in the backyard, and we would always give plates over to them, mm-hmm. and then they would do the same for us. So there was always, always a lot of reciprocity that— uh,
1: was around growing up as a, as a youngin. <laughs> Today, um, you mentioned earlier that you're a barista. Mm-hmm. Have you found, you know, being a barista in Southeast Portland, what's your experience like, and has your cultural heritage impacted the way you relate to your work or your community at all?
0: Oh, yeah. Um, well, when I first stepped into the coffee industry, as many people may know, it's a very um, white space, um, very male dominated. When I first started, so that was already intimidating. As it was, mm-hmm. uh, just a lot of people coming in and like being like, "This person doesn't know what she's doing." Oh wow! So like, there would be times where people would often dismiss that I'm like even there, and they yeah. would just speak directly to the person that I'm next to, which just happens to also be white. Um, mm. <laughs> but eventually people people like learned that i i had i had somewhat of a knowledge in this industry and i've been around
1: it for so long so mm-hmm. yeah did those experiences bring up any particular feeling in you of oh i need to prove myself in a particular way or was it more of a like if i wait this out they'll see what I bring to the table Mm. or something else entirely.
0: Oh, yeah. I was like silently stubborn. So (laughs) I I would go home and I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to watch all these YouTube videos on how to do certain things. And so that like gave me just like some of the education and coffee that I didn't get necessarily from Mm. certain jobs. And then, I don't know, that kind of just pushed me to just keep trying to learn more about the industry and certain recipes and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, eventually it came to the point where I'm like, that's right. I just I just proved you wrong.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I promise you, I belong in this space, and you're yes. gonna see it. I yes. love that. Chelsea, I'm wondering about, you know, you're here at Bridgetown, you have been for some time um and I think you mentioned as well that you don't meet a lot of people who are Pacific Islanders, specifically, from Micronesia. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering what your experience is like within our church and city now. Is there anything that you're dreaming about for the future that you'd love to see or anything you'd like to share?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, well, definitely, like, I'd love to see more of my people come out here. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's such a different experience as far as, like, I don't know, going to church and stuff, just from what we've all grown up going to. I feel like there's a lot more freedom in this space um, that we never felt growing up in in the Chukis Church,
1: uh, by that do you mean like freedom of expression?
0: Yeah, freedom of
1: expression.
0: Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it, I just for just looking out into the audience and being like, oh my gosh, that person looks Chukis. <laughs> like, I wonder where they're from. Village wise, I think that would be so cool to see in the future. Um, and just for people to experience like our culture firsthand and meeting us, I think would be really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Well, Chelsea, thank you so much for taking time to share your story with us. We know it's not something you owe us and so we're honored that you would share it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel really grateful to be able to sit down with you today. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Um, I don't know. Shout out to all the Chookies folks out there. Get yourself top. Thank you for listening. To learn more about AAPI history, Oregon's racist past, and Bridgetown's vision for the future, visit bridgetown.church justice.